Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. I bought this coat in Scotland when I was preaching a lot in Europe, and I'm telling you, there must be 15 sheep in this coat, because that thing will cook you. My goodness, whoo, and that was like being in a sauna. Well, you know, it looked cold tonight. I thought, chance to wear my nice coat, but oh well. Praise the Lord. Psalms, everybody say Psalms. Psalms 1. Let's go to Psalms 1. I think there's some really good stuff. I'm going to read. I never do this, but I'm going to do this. Listen to this commentary. It says, this has been called the preface or the beginning psalms, the beginning psalm, because in some respects it is considered the text upon which the whole of the psalms is made up. It opens with benediction. It does the Lord's, it, it deals as does the Lord's Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it talks about sinners, how the sinners are out of their element around the Word of God. No, no, no more could a fish live in a tree than a wicked person could live under the dictates of the Word of God. Only the pure in heart are able to in, fully enjoy God's presence as the holy angels, and the redeemed do. Isn't that wild? I thought that was pretty good. I was studying that this afternoon and saw that. Now, the book of Psalms, this is Psalms chapter 1. All of these scriptures that are written, now we know the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, so that men and women of God may be perfect and are thoroughly furnished. So every time the word of God is taught, God is furnishing you. Now, what's, what's unique about God is God waits on you to get your old furniture out so, can he, so he can get his new furniture in. You know, I don't know if you've ever had an old chair or an old couch or something that you like. You, most, most of the time, it's men that, 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 that have that. And, you know, you've raised a, a kids and dogs and, and, and parrots and everything else on it. And it smells terrible. And, you've, you know, you've dumped 17 55-gallon barrels of Febreze on it trying to make it smell good. And it still stinks. And, you know, the wife wants something new. But, but no, you want to keep your chair. You want to keep your couch. Now, the reason we like our favorite chair or our favorite couch, no matter how nasty it is, is that it fits us. It fits our flesh. You know, our, our form. You know, some people have a chair or a couch where they can go look. I got a couch at home where you can tell where I lay on this couch because that's the, 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 the cushions come together, the one place where I, lay, where I lay there and play with the dogs and do all that kind of stuff. It fits. How many know? Many? It fits. Now, in our lives, there are a lot of things that we have in our minds, in our lives, in our conversation, in our, in, in our you know, and we just kind of take it for God. That's the way we are. That's the way I am. That's the way God made me. Well, actually, that's not the way God made you. Amen. Now, let me say that again. That's not the way God made you. Because if God would have made you that way, then he really made a big mistake. No, you were born that way, you were raised that way, and through basically the process of growing up who you are, where you were, with what you have, your gender, your ethnic, you are, you have become who you are. And so we, we develop attitudes, 
uh, we develop uh, uh, opinions. We develop all this stuff that we live on, and it's comfortable to us. It fits our flesh. But then God comes into our life, and he wants to remove it. He wants to get it out. He wants his stuff, his thoughts, his ideas, uh, his, his will for your life, his passion, his compassion, amen, his desires. He wants all that inside you. Not your stuff, but his stuff. Everybody say, not my stuff. His stuff. So when you begin to allow the Word of God to come into your heart, and you let it go past the intellectual, you know, the intellectual is where you examine it. The spiritual is where it examines you. Amen. Intellectual, you examine. That's where you examine. Well, I don't know. Let me think about this. Yeah, let me think about it. Let me think about it. If I want to do that, let me think about it. You'll always talk yourself out of it. But the spirit side of it, when you get it, or when it drops down into your spirit, then it shines a light upward. Exposes darkness. Exposes things in your life which you think, well, I don't know about that, man. I, I mean, that's just the way I am. It may be something that God wants to change in you, to help you, to better. Everything God wants to do in your life is to help you, to better you, to bless you, so that you might be blessed to be a blessing. God wants you blessed to be a blessing. And that's what he desires to do. Now let's begin here in Psalms, chapter 1. Everybody say blessed. blessed. Now that's not the word blessed. Blessed always refers to deity. Blessed refers to humanity. We are the blessed of God. That means we are the empowered of God. We are the ones which God wants to put his word to reveal his glory so that his power might be manifest. Are you with me? So blessed is the man, now notice this, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor seateth in the seat of the scornful. Now notice what it says. Blessed is the man that does what? Walketh not. Walking, anytime you see the word walking, or walketh, or a walk, it's actually talking about your path, the journey you're taking, your life and lifestyle. Uh, David, in Psalms 23, uh, referred to it as the path of righteousness for his namesake. Your particular walk, the way you are going when it comes to your life and life. All of us are going in a particular direction. Amen. We are, we are either going toward the things of God, toward the blessing of God, toward the Word of God, toward the Spirit of God, toward the desire of God on the inside of us, or we're going the other way. Now, I know a lot of people want to argue and say, well, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not going toward the world. I'm not going toward the flesh. I'm not going toward the devil. Well, to stand still is to lose ground. I used to have a message I used to preach years ago when I was on the field called going up the down escalator. You ever gone up the down escalator? When I was a little kid, Foley's used to be in downtown Houston when I was a little boy. And it was like a four or five story uh, 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 department store in downtown Houston. Well, the, the first time I ever saw an escalator, I broke loose from my mom and I ran up the down escalator. Yes, I was that kind of child. Of course, I was propor uh, uh, proportionately uh, rewarded for that. Amen. But I noticed this about going up the down escalator. You have to put forth more effort than even going upstairs. Because if you go upstairs, you can take two or three steps and stop. And you're in the same place. And you can take two or three more steps and stop. 
and you remain in the same place. And you can take two or three more steps and stop and you remain in the same place. But with an escalator, if you're going up the down escalator, you could take 15 steps real quick, but as soon as you stop, you begin to lose all of the forward momentum and progress you've made. Years later, in meditating on the Word of God, the Lord spoke to me and said, now your walk in the kingdom, your path of righteousness, for my, it is going up the down escalator. As long as you're putting forth effort, as long as you're doing the Word, as long as you're confessing the Word, as long as you're living righteously, as long as you're doing all you can do to serve me and to do what I called you to do, then you're progressing upward. But the moment you take a break, the moment you stop, the moment you quit, that is when you begin to progress downward. And you might not even realize it. You may end up right back where you started. And I've seen people over the years that do it over and over and over. They go up, go up, go up, go up. And then one little thing gets preached. One little thing gets said. One little thing that kind of gets their goat. Amen. You know what it means to get your goat. And it gets your goat. And so instead of progressing upward, you don't turn around and start running backward, but you just kind of stop. You know, I'm mad. I'm offended. I've been hurt. I've been, and then down you go. And you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. But down you go. So your walk. Blessed is the man that walketh not. Here's some of the things that cause us to stop. In the counsel of the ungodly. We should not be sitting, receiving, or listening to the counsel of the ungodly. Let me say something. You have to be so careful on what you continually expose yourself to. What you continually expose yourself to, you will pick up the nature. I don't care if it's a television show. If it's a movie that you watch over and over and over, it's if, if it's a particular news commentator, I've heard people, good Christian people, that have basically sold their soul to talk radio. And they've picked up the cynicism. They cannot talk about anything without there being a cynical slant to it. I remember years ago, we had a particular individual working in our ministry, and there was something just, just bent in this individual. And there was a cynicism. And everything was a big joke. Nothing was serious. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a big joker just as much as anybody else. But there are times when you got to be pretty stone-cold serious if you're going to serve God and do the things of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so I kept, I just couldn't put my finger on it. I kept wondering, what is that? What is that? Well, after a couple of months or a few months and a little bit of fellowship, I found out that this particular individual was hooked on a television series. And the main character of that television series, he was taking that, absorbing that, assimilating that, and transmitting that. And the same character of the actor, the guy was an actor. The person wasn't even real. That's a television show. But the same attitude the same slant toward life. Everything was a joke. Everything was this. Everything was that. Couldn't look at anything seriously. And it cost him dearly. It cost him dearly. Many things in the kingdom of God. You've got to be careful about what entertains you, about what you just listen to off the cuff, put on the radio, and you start thinking, well, okay, you know. And next thing you know, you're absorbing this stuff mentally. And a lot of it is the counsel of the ungodly. God said, don't do it. Don't do it. 
Now, if that, if that you know, rubs the fur the wrong way, cur- turn the cat around. Because it's better to be healed and it's better to be blessed than to have the, quote, a popular opinion of the hour. And right now, folks, oh, Lord, I'm so glad. I'll be so glad when these elections are over. I mean, all these people just parading across the television, chewing one another up, talking about how bad this, how bad, and this one's done this, and then all this. Listen, and at the end of the day, all they want is your vote, and they never produce what they promise. Whether they're Democrat, Republican, or no matter what they're, if they're from Mars or Jupiter, whatever they're doing, they just, you know, I will promise you the moon on a silver platter. Just vote for me. And the other guy is a crook and a weirdo. And not only that, you know, that's what they do. So don't do it. Do not. Listen to what it says in the Amplified. Blessed, <coughs> excuse me, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and their purposes. Whoa. Following their advice, plans, and purposes. Now notice what it says next. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. It says in the Amplified. In the Amplified, excuse me. Following their advice, plans, and purposes, nor stands submissive, and inactive in the path where sinners walk. Now listen, let me tell you something. Oh, buddy, you talk about, we watched a news report yesterday. There's a nation in Africa called Uganda. Uganda has outlawed homosexuality. They passed a law where the first time you're caught, it's 14 years in prison. The second time you're caught, it's life in prison. Uganda was evangelized by a friend of mine named Terry Wheatley from, from Colleen, Texas. They have built over 600 churches there. They have, they have uh, uh, built clinics, hospitals. The president of Uganda, two years, personally came to his church, blessed his church, brought all this stuff, blessed Pastor Terry and Sister Jan, all this kind of stuff because all the crime was almost non... You couldn't find any crime. Perversion was gone. There was no... And, and, and revival was sweeping the nation. But to hear the liberal media commentary and slant on Uganda, you would have thought that was the worst place on planet Earth. So they got right in front of a preacher and said, how dare you pass a law like that? And he said, well, one of the reasons is is because we're as afraid of those people as we are of terrorists because they bring the same thing into the country and it destroys countries. And the guy just kind of sat there. Well, you know, when you stand in the way, notice the word, the way, the path of sinners, that means that you come into agreement with lives and lifestyles and mindsets and concepts where, you you know, we all must be tolerant. We all must be you know, we're all God's family. Come on. God loves us. That's not according to the word. Paul spoke very strongly. If you study the letters to the church, he was very strongly opposed to lives and lifestyles of unrighteousness. He addressed 
infidelity. He addressed adultery. He addressed people living outside the bond, the uh, the uh, bonds of marriage. He addressed homosexuality. He addressed all types of lifestyle that were unrighteous, and he did not stand in the way of sinners. And he was not the most popular person of the day. Neither will you be the most popular person of the day when you make a decision. This is not my opinion. This is what God says. And here's the thing: the Bible says that if we do not warn and stand our ground as righteous men and women of God in the day of judgment their blood will be on our hands wow amen listen we love all sinners but we don't like sin Sin destroys. Sin harms. Sin is the cancer in the human race that causes the human race to deteriorate into the place that it is right now. We have an answer for the sin problem. And sin is the same the world over. It's not the homosexuality. It's not the drug addiction. It's not the bank robbery. It's not the hate, the prejudice. It's the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the number one sin. That is what causes men and women to go to an eternal place of judgment away from God, all of the other sin is just the symptoms of the spiritual death that is in the human family. So I'm not any more opinionated over a prejudiced person than I am over anything else. You say, what do you mean? It's wrong. It's sin. It's wrong. It's sin. And, and, and most people realize and most people understand that that is a subject the church has totally turned its back on and walked away from. People don't have sin. They have problems. They don't have sin, they have problems. No, 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 no. The wages of sin is death. The word death means separation. Your sin and lifestyle of sin separates you. Separates you from God. Separates you from finances. Separates you from relationships. Separates you from health. Separates you from joy. Separates you from peace. Separates you from all this kind of stuff. It's amazing when you look at people in the party, but they never show people after the party. Amen. Well, I know that's, you say, that's, that's, that's a little too, too much for me. Well, get healed anyway. Amen. It says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It says here, in the path where sinners walks, nor sits down and relaxed and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. Now, you know what scornful people and mockers are? They are people that are always pulling up a subject but never willing to go get their hands dirty to help fix it. Amen. You say, what gives you a right to talk about sin? I'm trying to do something about it. I'm preaching the gospel, demonstrating the gospel, building a church, trying to raise up righteous people that'll live the word of God, that'll walk the word of God, that'll raise their families right, that'll live according to the word of God, not live in sin. I'm trying to do something about sin by introducing people to Jesus who'll take it all away. But a scorner will sit there and criticize and mock and be mean and belittle. But we say, okay, okay, you don't like this situation. You don't like, they'll, they'll, they'll take a subject like starving children in Africa. And they'll, 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 they'll talk about, well, the rich people and the people that got money and the kids are starving. And you're like, okay, would you like to give $10 toward? We've got a little orphanage over in Kenya that if you'd like to take care of some starving African children, we'll put some clothes on their back and send them to school. But they won't reach in their pocket and give you that $10 because they're scorners. A scorner will sit back and mock what other people are doing. Yeah, look at them, look at them, look at them jokers down there at Island Church. They get ripped off every week. I'm talking about sending money to the world. No telling what them preachers are doing. That's a scorner, a mocker, mocking the things of God. But they're never willing to do anything to put their hand to the plow to do something to relieve any of the misery that's going on in the human race. 
Amen. So we don't walk like that. Our, our path is not, not the scornful, not the mockers, not the sinful, not that. But now notice the next, the next scripture. I like this. It says, uh, but his delight, I love this, his delight, amplified, his delight, his desire is in the law of the Lord. We'll say it like this. His delight or his desire is in God's word. He has a passion. She has a passion. They have a passion for the Word of God. They have a desire for the Word of God. They love the Word of God. They don't mock the Word. They love it. They want to be taught. They want. How, did, how many saw that little clip on uh, a Sunday of the people getting their Bibles? If that didn't move you, you're dead. People kissing their Bibles and crying and can't find words to say thank you for a Bible. Our problems are over. That's what I'm saying. Our problems are over. We've got the Bible. Tears running down their face. So thankful for the Word of God. That's, that's His delight. His delight is in the Word of God. He's in the Word. You ought to love your Bible. It ought to be your most precious possession. You ought to know where it is 24-7. You ought to read it and meditate on it. Memorize it. You ought to make a decision. Man, this book right here, this is in Him. I live and move and have my being. Without it, I'm dead. Without it, Lord, just take me to heaven right now. If I can't have my Bible, take me to heaven. Amen. We taught our, was teaching our dad class last night. Easy way to read the Bible. Two, two chapters in the old, two chapters in the new. Uh, uh, five Psalms and a proverb every day. Two Old Testament chapters, two New Testament chapters, five Psalms and a proverb every day. You'll read through Psalms and Proverbs every month, and you'll read through the New Testament twice and the Old Testament four times in one year. Now, if you did that for five years, what would your life be like? What would your life be like? You'd be transformed. You'd be blessed. You wouldn't be a scorner. You wouldn't sit in the council of the ungodly. You'd be putting your hand to the plow. You'd delight in the Word of God. Look at what it says. But His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law, or in the Word, He doth meditate day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Listen, it's a day and night thing. We're, we're exposed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to this world system, to, to, to negative programming, to, to Satan's message. You say, Satan has a message? <laughs> yeah, I believe he does. Most of the magazines on the magazine rack, most of the channels on the television, most of the, most of the stations on the radio are preaching Satan's message. Amen. You say, now come on, preacher. No, no, no. It, it's, the, it's the world's system. Satan took it. He stole it from man. And he loves to propagate it. He loves to... He, he, listen, he is a master evangelist with his own message. He knows how to cre create apathy, complacency, and unbelief in the church. And he knows how to take the world and make it, make it turn its nose up at God. How? Oh, yeah, that, those, those, those deformed little babies, God did that. God could have done something about that, but he didn't. Yeah, that terrible storm over in, in the Philippines that killed all those people. God could have done something. He just didn't do it. Yeah, all of that bad stuff that happened to those people, that flood, that fire, act of God. Amen? No, no, you've got some of them you're going to have to turn off. Some of them you're going to have to put away and recognize 
Here's the source of life. Here's the Word of God. This gives us the nature. This reveals His personality. This shows us His kindness, His mercy, His grace. This shows us how good of a God He is. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll dig into this thing and study, you'll make the discovery. You won't have to believe this because I say it. You'll believe it because the Holy Ghost reveals it to you. God did not hold back in redemption. He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus. Listen, He bankrupt heaven. He gave everything He could give to redeem His creation, mankind. He can do no more than He's done because if He's if he could do more than he'd be unrighteous but he's not unrighteous he's a righteous God he has done all he can possibly do you say well pastor why don't we see more signs no more wonders no more miracles it's not us it's not God it's us it's us that pull back it's us that get into unbelief it's us that get into strife and complacency and apathy it's us I was preaching one time and man we had just this just this blowout meeting and several outstanding healings and people streamed to the altar and got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and on my way home it's just almost a, 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 a it's almost like a the only way I can describe it's like a grief hit me and I was I was just and so I, I couldn't wait to get back to my hotel room I got back I began to pray and the Lord spoke to me said I did all that you would let me do but I wanted to do so much more I only did what you let me do and I just Oh, and like somebody hit me in my stomach. I was like, I was like, and then the Lord spoke to me and said, it's not the world. It's not even Satan that holds back a move of God. It's my people. Well, when I heard that, I began to make some adjustments in my own heart. I began to make some adjustments in my own life. I begin to figure out, hey, man, if I'm holding back something that's of God that blesses people, then I better start working on me. Me must have some real, you know, what we tend to do is want everybody else to have some work done on them. Because, see, Pastor, it's not really my problem. It's not really my struggle. I'm really doing pretty good here. It's really everybody else. If they could get fixed, then everything would really be okay. That's easy to do. But in reality, you're the only one that can fix you. And you, you can't even fix your husband, your wife, or your kids. But you can work on you. You can work on you, and you can get right where the place where God wants you to be. Amen? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Anybody liking this? In his law, he does meditate day and night. Now, I like this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Wow. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. He shall be like a tree. Now, a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, this is a unique illustration which I'm sure David understood because David was kind of an outdoors guy. He was a sheep herder. He was a little shepherd boy. He understood a tree growing next to a running stream and a tree that was not growing next to a running stream. A tree growing next to a running stream has a perpetual source of life. It is continually there. It's continually being watered. Notice what it says there. Your leaf does not wither. Anybody that knows anything about plants knows that leaves tell you the health of a plant. You got a messed up plant, it'll show you in, in its leaves. Leaves are yellow, leaves fall off. If your leaves are falling off a plant, it's trying to tell you something. You're not giving me enough light. You're not giving me enough water. You give me too much light. Give me too much water. Leaves will testify to the health of a plant. And so it's saying even here in the time in which there's no fruit being born, there's a growing season going on, you can still tell the individual is healthy because you look at their leaves. They don't wither. Problem with a lot of Christians, they got a lot of withered leaves on them. Hadn't produced fruit in a long time. They need a good pruning. 
They need to be jerked up and then repotted. You know, I, I, I repotted, what, three, three or four plants the other day. Now, these are plants that have been growing great, but I knew that they had become root-bound, which means inside the plants, they had basically taken all of the soil up, and although that they could produce foliage, the foliage was always just this, it wasn't the brilliant green that it should be. And I could tell the last two years, especially in one plant, the last two years, this thing's, I'm going to have to deal with this thing. So I made a decision to do it this year. So I cut the whole thing down, and I pulled it out. And sure enough, it was just as I expected. That whole thing was a solid mass of roots. So I not only pruned the top, I root pruned it. And I got that thing root pruned, and I got it in a bigger pot, and I got some fresh soil, and I put, and I put, and it's already starting to put up some growth. It's already starting to come up. There's already starting to be some things unroll and unfurl out of that. Well, you know, our lives are like that sometimes. God wants to root prune us because we've got so many roots. We were root bound. We're not producing fruit. The leaves are withering. And God says, well, let me hack on you. Let me cut on you. See, the Word of God is what? God's Word is what? Hebrews chapter 4, sharp. Powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder that which is of your flesh, that which is of your soul, and that which is of your spirit. And a lot of people need a lot of flesh and soul cut out so the spirit man can begin to grow and so that fruit can be produced and the leaves can get healthy again. Amen? So if your life's getting cut on, let God cut on it. Let Him cut it away. I mean, you may not need that. You may not need that old disease branch hanging out there. Let him hack it off. He may have another branch that's going to produce a bunch of fruit in your life. Mm-mm-mm. That's a whole other message. <laughs> Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth around, or driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, it's called the law of comparison. Paul used the law of comparison many times in his teaching as a way of illustration. Uh, the, the righteous and the ungodly, uh, the, the believer, the unbeliever. Now here, uh, uh, David's doing the same thing. He's talking of the righteous or the sinner, the godly or the ungodly. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Now, isn't this, isn't this amazing? He knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It's, it's like God is showing us, I've got a way for you to go, a path, a direction, a purpose, an assignment in life. Go this way. If you go that way, the devil's just going to let you run like a wild animal. You can go the drug way. You can go the money way. You can go the perverse way. You can go all these different ways. The devil hadn't got a plan for your life other than the grave and hell. That's his plan. And he knows this. If I can get them in started in sin, which is the active participation with the iniquity that's on side. Remember, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. Iniquity is the motivation to break the laws of God. So the devil knows. If I can get them started in sin, the more they trespass, the more they yield to the fallen nature, the stronger it gets. They become out of control. They not only break the laws of God, they'll begin to break the laws of man. What was it the other night? Uh, uh, we had some, some friends that began prison ministry in 1978. And from 1978 till the year 2000, the state of Texas built 120 more prisons. And to this day, 
does not have enough room to house the prisoners. You know why? Because of an unrestrained, unrestrained submission to iniquity. You start out breaking the laws of God, then you begin to break the laws of man. And when you break the laws of man, judgment comes. So that's just not right to put those people in prison. They've broken the laws. Can't have murderers running the street, rapists running the street. You can't have people that are constantly robbing and stealing. And, and you know, I mean, you, you watch the news, and it's just a menu of what? Of sin in manifestation. Burglaries, break-ins, robberies, uh, house invasions. What do you think all that is? Unrestraint, running unrestraint any direction. My flesh, my feelings, my desires, my habits. I want it. I'll get it. And I'll run over anybody that gets in my way. That's the world. What will happen? Judgment will come from society. And then judgment comes from God. But see, our way is different. That's why, you know, in DAP we're teaching on Romans chapter 12. Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove or live out or show forth what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. So you're either living a conformed life or a transformed life. Now, for years, I lived a conformed life. I was conformed to exactly what people said about me, what the world said, what the government said, what my education, what, how much money I made said. Everything about me was conformed to, I was in a box. And I ran around with the people in the same box I was. Amen? But when I came back to Jesus and bowed my knee in front of the television set and got up, I knew the first thing I got to do is step out of this box. And I didn't know what to do other than doing what I knew to do to get out of the box. What I knew to do to get out of the box is what? Get away from all the people in the box. Get rid of their phone numbers. Get rid of their addresses. When they knock on the door, don't answer. When they call on the phone, don't pick it up. Get away from them and then go and look for someone who ain't in a box. And I looked around and saw some people in religious boxes. I didn't want that. I saw other people in traditional boxes. I didn't want that. But then I found some people that were not in any box at all. They were living a transformed life. I was like, wow, awesome. I remember the first day I walked into Lakewood Church. I knew Brother Osteen back in the 60s when he was a Baptist preacher filled with the Holy Ghost. And then to walk into Lakewood Church after I had not seen him for 20 years, it blew my mind. I'm like, this is what this guy has done? This is what he's doing now? Well, last time I saw him, he was trying to preach a crusade in Pasadena High School Auditorium. But now he's got this church that's got 5,000 members that's reaching the world, that's giving. That year they gave $4.5 million in missions, that's got this Bible school, that's doing all this. I'm like, wow, this guy has been transformed. So I went and I listened to what John Osteen had to say till what John Osteen had to say became what God was saying to Rusty Martin. Amen. I did it with Brother Hagen, did it with a few others. But I found people transformed, transformed, living a transformed life, making a difference, preaching the gospel, doing something about the sin issue, doing something about the abortion issue, 
doing something. You say, what do you mean the abortion issue? We do something about the abortion issue, issue every week. We get young ladies saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. So they don't have to make that choice. And if they've made a bad choice, then we'll get them in here and get them saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they'll make the right choice. We do something about the heroin addiction issue. We do something about the crack issue. We do something about the homosexual issue. We do something about the bank robbery issue. You say, well, what do you mean about the bank robbery? If you're a bank robber and you come in here, we'll preach the gospel, you'll get convicted, you'll get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then if you need to go and deal with civil government, you'll go do it and we'll believe God for favor. We're doing something about that. We're not sitting on the sidelines mocking as a lot of religion does. But when you make a decision, I've had it with confirmation. I've had it. Low living. Amen. Low aspect. No, no prospects. Uh, uh, you know, just going through the routine of daily life. No excitement. No passion about the things of God. Nothing in my life that really, you know, I'm not making a difference and nobody's really making a difference. In it. Then you'll, you'll shake yourself and say, no, wait a second. There's much more life than this. There's much more. Jesus said the thief comes not but for to steal and kill and destroy, but I am come that you might have life. Zoe, Z-O-E, that's the God kind of life, and that you might have it in abundance. I want you to know the God kind of life is the most exciting life you can live, whether you're pastoring the largest church in the world or working as a janitor in the smallest church in the world. You will be excited about life, excited about what's going on, because you're living a transformed life knowing that what I'm doing is right where God wants me to be. This is the path of righteousness. I may end up somewhere else, but where I am right now is right where God wants me to be. And if you'll ever get there in your life, I guarantee you, you will begin to get excited about living and excited about life. And everything you put your hand to will prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. Lift your hands up and thank God. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word, Lord, it brings light and life to us. Tonight, Father, as we allow the word of God to permeate our spirit man, to drop on the inside of us, we thank you, Father, that the reality of revelation knowledge rises up on the inside of us and produces the power that is available in the Word of God to bring change and transition into our lives. Father, we will not sit in neutral, stay in the place that we're in right now, but we believe you for a continued progressive path of righteousness. Lord, we know on that path, it's not without problems, it's not without ups and downs, it's not without circumstances, not without situations. But, Lord, we know you are the answer. We are your children, and your hand is upon us. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And everyone says, Amen. praise God. Stand on your feet this evening. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.